Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 55 past the hour. Steve Sparky Fiber with you here on 1250 AM. The fan time for another Milwaukee Sports Time out. And a, a great, great honor to have Dusty Evilly on, you know, from Cheesehead TV. Packer Report, Pack-A-Day Podcast. He is one of the best you're going to find on social media, breaking down film and so forth. As a film analyst. Follow him on Twitter at Dusty Evilly. Let's get into the Packers and talk a, a little bit about the defense. And I guess my first question is something that I've, I've heard people talking about, and that is what about a potential switch uh, in position between Rajul Douglas uh, at that star position uh, and Savage going from safety to that star position. We know they tried Douglas uh, at safety a little bit in training camp and so forth. After having seen the first couple of weeks and how Rajul Douglas has played, would you support that notion? I think I'd certainly be open to it, I think. I mean, I, I don't know about you know that, that star position. You know, that's a lot, of, a lot of slot stuff, and I don't know that Savage is necessarily the best in coverage. I am personally am in favor of anything that gets Savage closer to the line. Um, yes. I think his coverage and some of the pass-off stuff he's, he's had struggles with, but, but certainly once he gets close to the line, he's just, just attack, react, cause some chaos, I think is where he's at his best. I think we saw some of that last year. So, Again, I, yeah, I don't know exactly how that how that switch goes. I don't think he's like particularly well suited to play every single down there, but I think anything that gets him close to the line is something that I'm going to applaud. You know, the other thing about when we talk about this this Packers defense is Quay Walker in the middle, and, and it feels like he's struggling maybe a little bit as far as on on how to stop the run and getting caught up uh, in, in making wrong anticipation moves or something along those lines. What do you see from Quay Walker? Yeah, I mean, I kind of, before the season, when they took him, I'm not a huge fan of, of first-round linebackers uh, in general, uh, just because of that. There's a, there's a learning curve with those guys because there's so much you're kind of reading and reacting to. It's just, it's tough to get up to speed. In the offseason, I kept saying, listen, man, I'm excited, but you got to pump the brakes on him because you are learning a lot. You're, re- you're learning those uh, run keys and falling back in coverage and passing off, especially in this kind of quarters defense and everything that kind of comes up with that. So, um, I, you know, he's, he's struggling. Honestly, he's been better than I thought he was going to be out of the gate because um, he can make a bit of a difference. But I think you are starting to see Wednesday, they kind of do some, some misdirection. You're kind of playing with the eyes a little bit there. He's not quite where, he's not quite where he, he you know, needs to be by the end of the season. Um, but it, I think it was always going to be a learning curve with him. It was never going to be super smooth out of the gate. I think we're just, we're seeing some of those struggles. I think, uh, you know, Campbell is, a little more of a concern to me. Really? <laughs> Seeing how he played last year. But uh, but Quay, um, you know, Quay certainly has missed some stuff. I think the whole defense has had problems with communication. I think that's been it more yes. than anything for Quay. 
Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, again, I think he was always going to be slow out of the gate. So I think we're seeing that a little bit now. Um, I don't, I don't have long-term concerns with him, but, but short-term, I mean, him and, and really the entire defense on that front has been a little concerning so far. Okay, so wait a second. Now, so let's go into Devondre Campbell, because again, as a fan, you see him make impact plays uh, here and there uh, throughout the season to this point. Uh, and again, last year, all pro. And I said in the offseason to Gary and Leroy, like, I, I just don't know if he can do that again. Like, I don't know if he can play at that level consistently going forward. So what are you seeing from Devondre Campbell that maybe has you raising your eyebrows a little bit? I think some of it is just, honestly, some of it's having Quay out there. I think it's um, some of the looks they're getting into. I think it's less, and, I, and I've not looked at the snap counts particularly, but um, some of the, they're getting less of kind of that the the one linebacker look where where if Devondre is the one guy in the middle, you're kind of reading and reacting, and you're able to see that you get a little bit cleaner. Your your reads, your keys are different because you're the one guy out there. With the second guy next to him, he's now a little more communicating. You know, when this when the motion happens, you pick up the switch here, or you're you you know you widen out to this side, and I take this side. There's a little more communication there, and I think just because it's Again, I don't know if it's because it's Quay and maybe he's a little more hesitant if, if Campbell is saying, I'm not entirely sure he's going to be doing what I think he's supposed to be doing. Um, there's just, the, I think the, um, the triggering of Campbell, I think, has not been as quick. Uh, that's, I think that's part of it for me. It seems a little more uncertain, which, again, some of that is the entire defense, um, but some of it with, with Campbell, I almost kind of put up to, he's not sure what the guy next to him is doing uh, this year in the way that he kind of maybe felt a little more comfortable last year. And so it's it's uh, it's slowing down, slowing down how he's reacting to stuff a little bit more is, is from from what I've kind of seen so far. Okay, well then the next obvious question is then should Barnes be out there until Quay Walker figures it out? Would this defense Barnes be Ballinger, better? I don't think so. I like I think well yeah if the defense be better I think that's a that's a larger question. Um, I do like the idea, and I don't know if they did it too much this past week, um, but the week before, they seemed like they were playing a little more with, with Quay, as is that so they've got the, the nickel front, which is you know kind of the, the four down linemen and two linebackers behind, not four down linemen, but whatever, and two linebackers behind. The penny front is kind of more that, but it's one-on-ones across and then one linebacker behind them, which frees Campbell up to do some of that. Last week, they were doing a little bit more of that with Quay as kind of walked up over the A-gap or showing more at the line than he had been sure. you know, in the previous weeks to that, which frees up Campbell a little bit more to kind of do his thing. So I think, you know, I don't know if, if Barnes makes a huge difference there. Maybe he does. I mean, there seems to be issues all across the defense at this point. But I think they're looking for ways to get Campbell kind of back to where he was last year while also keeping Quay and that athleticism on the field and trying to get to use him in a way that works best for him, I think. Let's switch. Let's go to the offensive line here because that's a, a, another area of concern that I guess I kind of have. Royce Newman doesn't appear to be getting better uh, at right guard. Elton Jenkins, I don't think he allowed a pressure this week if I remember what Pro Football Focus said according to their, their guys that watch tape. Uh, but having said all of that, Josh Nyman, I think, probably is still a better situation, uh, maybe at right tackle if he can handle it, and Jenkins maybe move into right guard in place of Newman because you're not going to touch Runny, and he's played really well at left guard. Uh, what do you think of the offensive line play uh, and that idea? Yeah, I mean, coming into the season, it was, uh, well, you know, Newman was bad last year, especially on kind of the, the twists and stuff up front. He would tend to get lost, and he improved a little as the season went on, but was still obviously the weak point. So it was even with the ideal offensive line, Newman was going to be the weak point. Um, and that certainly has, has, has shown up this time. Now, I will say with the right side of the line, like I said, Jenkins had a real rough week four, looked better in week five. Uh, but 
Nyman, I think Nyman has not played the right side since college. And, and even his, I think a lot of his practice reps, pretty much all of his practice reps have come left side. So some of that, I mean, before the season was, well, Jenkins is Jenkins, plug and play him yep. on the right side there. Uh, and, and then obviously that was shaky. Maybe he's evening out, maybe he isn't. But it's really hard, I think, for me to say, throw Nyman at right tackle and then Elton at guard. Now I do think Elton is, prob- is, a, is a better option at right guard, but how does Nyman fare at right tackle? Is Elton kind of settling in to where he is at right tackle and maybe that's evening out a little bit more? If so, do we want to then move uh, Yash over there and then have maybe a game or two struggling the same way we saw Elton struggling over there? Um, and now you've got the guard situation kind of a little stronger because Elton's there, but the but the tackle situation kind of right back to where it was when, when Elton was taking his lump. So it's tough for me to say, you know, obviously not in the building, not really seeing that stuff. I think it has been telling how little they've been, they've, they've even practiced with Yash on the right side. So that kind of tells me something there. But um, I mean, at this point, I'd be open to <laughs> be open to anything that, that gets Newman off that starting right guard position, certainly. You know, the other thing, too, when we look at where we're at, we got, you know, guys coming off of injuries. Elton Jenkins being one, Bakhtiari being another. Bakhtiari still not playing a full game. I mean, he played a majority of the game two Mm -hmm. weeks ago and then comes back into rotation with Yash. Nobody wanted to do that, Yash or Bakhtiari, and they get put back in that same situation two weeks later uh, when Yash is able to play. Have you noticed a difference in Bakhtiari from, like, say, two weeks ago when he was playing every snap for an entire game once Yash went out versus how he looked last week in a rotation? No, I think I liked him in the rotation. I mean, I think, I mean, you, know, you can't speak to, to exactly how that all works and how that impacts those guys mentally and everything like that as far as getting in a rhythm. They seem like they both did fairly well over there, you know, Bakhtiari with the rest and everything. He played 23 snaps this past week, and I don't think that was a rotation thing. That was just I don't know that he felt up to it. Um, I think he played for, what, some of the first half, and then he didn't play again until the, and the very last snap, the Hail Mary. Um, I think he's still working through some stuff. He's looked good. You know, for the most part, I think at the Hail Mary, you'll you'll see this. I don't know if this is just an injury or a lack of feel or something. Um, he kind of overset to the outside and let immediate pressure onto the inside. So I don't know if that's a, you know, kind of favoring the leg thing, kind of cheating a little because he's looking for an outside rush there and then getting beat inside. Um, he he's certainly not back to all pro box hearing. Um, but yeah, when, when they when they did the, uh, the the platoon thing, I was kind of in the same boat where I don't know how this is going to work. We've not really seen this before. They both seemed good over there. And like you said, there's a lot of interpersonal stuff. I know Bakhtiari really didn't want to do it. And they both seemed like they thought it went well. Um, so if they had to go to that for the rest of the season, that's cool. That also limits then what you can do with Yash. I think as long as Bakhtiari is having issues, platoon or not, if, you, if you're not confident in him playing an entire game, um, it's really hard to say Yash right side because you need him for the left side. So um, I, if they need to go back to the platoon um, this week, it, it wouldn't shock me a bit. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what happens with Bakhtiari this week, if any of that practice stuff changes, how the language around that changes. It was odd to just see, kind of see him pulled and not come back to the last snap. But I, I think at this point, I'd be in favor of the platoon just because maybe you have a better chance of keeping Bakhtiari out there for the majority of the game at, the, at that point. And again, people should follow Dusty uh, on Twitter, Dusty Evilly, because he does the great stuff. I mean, last night at halftime, he, he's breaking down still the Packer game for 15 minutes uh, and, and going through a, a three-play sequence uh, last night. And the, one of the issues I think fans had with this Packers loss was the fact that it became the Aaron Rodgers show, maybe a little bit more there in the second half, taking deep shots, not running the ball nearly as much as they did in the first half when they were successful. 
successful. How much of that had to do with different looks that the Giants were showing them than maybe they did in the first half as far as why maybe they didn't run as much in the second half versus Rodgers maybe just wanting to take some shots? I think there was certainly an aspect of it of Rodgers taking shots. and I, I know that, But I also think there's... I think there, there's a couple different things going on with the offense. I mean, certainly some of the looks that the Giants gave them up front. I mean, if you see an eight-man front and most of those guys are at the line, like, you you don't really want to run into that. Um, the Giants do a good job of kind of dropping out and kind of disguising stuff. The top was open over the middle a couple times. They would drop some guys out to take the that middle slant away. Uh, you know, some stuff like that. But um, it, it, they did, I think they ran into – I have the numbers. I don't have the numbers right now. Um I think they ran into an eight-man box on three plays on average. I don't know. It was something like six and a half yards. Like, it wasn't bad. Like, it was a pretty good average there. Um, but it is kind of a they, – they want to take what the defense gives them because you don't want to run into the teeth of an eight-man box. Um, as a general rule, like, most defense or most offenses do not want to do that. Um, so this is not strictly a Packers thing. And then there's also – yeah, there's also, I think, some of the offense – there's a disjointedness to some of it. Um, it's, it's guys running some wrong routes. It's guys, uh, guys getting bumped off routes a little bit. I mean, and some of this is one of the big, I think I talked about it last night, that one of the, the shots on the first play on the three and out to Lazard, uh, Lazard gets bumped off of that, but that's, that's a slot fade route, which needs you to like kind of win at the line, keep leverage down the field, and then, and then run under the ball. That was something Devontae did a ton. Like, you can close your eyes and picture Devontae kind of catching that ball 35-plus yards down the field from the slot, and that's, that's what that is. So some of this, they're, they're asking these guys to do some of the, the same things Devontae Adams did and win that way consistently, and none of these guys is Devontae Adams. So I think there's, there's a lot of things going on with the offense. I do think at times um, that, that Rodgers just says, I'm going to throw this. I know before the game he said something like, I'm going to give London a show. I think there is a mentality to that sometimes where – listen, we need some fireworks, we need a big play, and, and listen, like, they were there for a big play. You've got an eight-man front, you've got a single high defense, those edges are open in a way that, that right now in the NFL, the way teams are playing defense, uh, with kind of putting playing too high and putting an umbrella in, over everything, a lot of those deep shots are not there. And so I think they saw the ability to, we're going to go ahead and take this shot because we've got a look that we like. Uh, we don't like it in the running game, we like it in the passing game. And the timing, timing just isn't there. Some of the accuracy is off. Like, there's a, a handful of things going on there. Um, but I do think there's times where he just says, I'm, I'm chucking this because we need something to happen. Uh, one last question. That that third and fourth, to, third and two and fourth and two play there at the end of the game, uh, on the one play, it looked like he was throwing to Lazard no matter what because he never even looked left, and Dobbs was coming uh, across from the left side uh, and appeared to be open, but he never even turned his head. I, I think a lot of times he's predetermined on where he's going before he snaps the ball, regardless of what happens. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, that one specifically, that's 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 an RPO look, so he's got the option to hand or pass. And generally with those, they, they have the pass tag, they have a one receiver pass tag. And the way Rodgers likes to do it is, um, teams do this differently. Rodgers likes to read strictly pre-snap. Uh, until this year, they really didn't have a whole lot of those vertical pushing RPO pass tags because you usually have to post-snap read that. You have to look at a defender. Is that linebacker coming into the run fit? If he is, then I throw behind him. If not, I hand it off. So the picture is uh, not clear until after you snap the ball. Rodgers likes to make that decision pre-snap. And so he looked at that pre-snap and basically was the question for him is, do I want to run? It's an eight-man box. No, the numbers say I should not run. Uh, so then do I like my one-on-one matchup with Lazard on the outside? It's a fade route. Do I like him winning that matchup? The answer was yes. The other way was a little kind of clear out slant. So you have the slot guy is, is kind of clearing out and you run a slant underneath that to kind of, you're clearing space with the slot and then you run that slant underneath. 
that's more of a post snap thing. So that's a read what's going on because you want to make sure that that slot defender is not coming down to take away the slant because if it is, then you're done. Right. If if that if that's different, like then you have to hand it off. And again, he doesn't like to do that. So if they change the defensive picture there, so that's the thing. That not saying anything right or wrong, but typically the way Rogers likes to do that, he he likes to read that pre-snap. And the math in that in that specific play was eight-man box. I'm not running it. I like my one-on-one matchup with Lazard instead, so I'm going to take that. So. Yeah, I mean, Dobbs was open, but typically, I mean, even with the vertical stuff that the Packers have run out of that RPO looks this year, uh, he, it's it's pretty much pre-snap determined the way they've been running it, and that was kind of a post-snap look. So um, it's not shocking that he didn't throw that, I guess. It would have been nice. It'd be nice to see them kind of adapt to that, um, uh, that that style of RPO game, but it's not, not something that he has traditionally done, so it's not overly shocking that he threw the fade. Dusty Evilly, follow him on Twitter at Dusty Evilly. Uh, and again, we'll talk to him hopefully week to week here throughout the remainder of the season. Packer writer for Cheesehead TV, Packer Report, and of course, the Pack a Day podcast as well. And I'm telling you, from a film analysis standpoint, I-, I was talking to him before. I said, I think we should just call you the professor of film analysis because people that watch you, even if you don't know anything, like you, you don't know anything about football, he will explain it to you in terms that even you will understand and uh, you will learn and become more educated uh, as a Packer fan. He's very good. Dusty, thanks so much for coming on, man. appreciate it. I appreciate you, dude. Thank you. You betcha. There he is, Dusty Evilly again here on a Milwaukee Sports Timeout. Check him out uh, at 1250amthefan.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.